Season 2019 Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And isn't it wonderful, Blake, to be back for the new season? Another new season. Uh, we go in, as usual, I think, as like all Raiders fans, with a mixture of uh, sort of optimism and pessimism at the same time. I- I'm eternally optimistic as a Raiders fan, mm-hmm. but each year I sort of get worn down a little bit and a bit more sort of cautious with my optimism. Every now and then you do get a blip on the radar, like, you know, 2004 and... 2016, where you mm. have these great seasons that uh, you weren't really expecting, they sort of come out of the blue. But yeah, we we go in again, and I, we, I'm I'm pretty cautious about this year. I'm, I'm hopeful. Not, I'm not. I completely agree with everything you said, but I am on the upswing. I am so damn optimistic. I hate myself for it. I hate myself for it in every respect because I genuinely believe this season that something good can happen. I genuinely believe that we're going to get the luck when it actually counts. I genuinely believe we're not going to get the injuries. I genuinely believe when a referee's bad call is made this year, it's going to be in our favour. I genuinely believe that things are going to go right this year and we are going to party like it's 1989. <laughs> yeah. it'll, be, it'll be funky cold Medina all over again. Oh, That's my, my, my best memory of, of the 19... 19- well, actual game was the greatest memory of, the, of 1989 Grand Final. But my second greatest memory of the 1989 Grand Final was going to a friend's party that night. And uh, arriving with the single of Funky Cold Medina, putting it on, and the whole crowd, the whole party just went berserk to this song. And why wouldn't they? No, and it was, it was a, an all-time jam. Absolutely. All-time classic. No question. But you welcome back, people, our, our fantastic loyal listeners, to the third most popular Raiders podcast going around. We're still third, aren't we? There I believe we're there. third. We might be fourth if another one's come out, but we don't know if there is another one. Um, so we're assuming we're still third. Uh, and we are now coming to you from a secret storeroom somewhere in Civic where we're hiding to keep our identities hidden, which is wonderful because, you know, who wants to know anyway? But it's a fantastic thing in new season. We've got the Titans this uh, Sunday night, 6.30. Yeah. Um, in the, the, the glamour the glamour fixture of the round. Yeah. They, they sort of, we've got sort of... Um, Thursday night, you know, Storm, Broncos, yep. Friday night. Um, yeah, I don't know who that is. but Souths, Souths and Roosters. And, and they're saving the best to last. They're saving they? the best <laughs> to last. They want to see what the Titans and the Raiders have got. They want to see what's coming all the way from Skilled Stadium up there. How many people do you think will be up there at the game? Oh, uh, in attendance? I I reckon, Sunday night? I reckon, I reckon they'll get a 10 grand crowd there. I reckon they'll yeah, get a 10 maybe. grand crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how do we feel while we're on the subject of the Titans and Skilled Stadium? How do we feel about our legend, our captain, our club captain, Mal Meninga working with the Titans. How do we feel about that, Blake? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Do we feel like the but statue it, should be torn down? No. We don't? No. I, I'm not as upset about it as, as I was when um, Laurie Daly was at the Dragons and he was. I listened to one game on mm. Fox and he was calling it and just his sort of pro-Dragons, mm. anti-Raiders bias was so evident mm. that mm. I, I actually did want to go tear down the, oh, yeah. the, the Laurie Daly statue at that point. Look, and I, I actually think in this case, once Laurie Daly walked out of this club, a club for which he was a great servant and a great player, once Here we he go. walked out of this club, he completely walked out of the club. He did come to the... Um, he was in attendance at the... Um, Hall of Fame, the recent Hall of Fame announcement. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, and that's Which, nice of him to come. Because generally he hasn't been yeah, generally seen that much. Been, no, old boys days yeah. or any of He's busy. Things. Oh, yeah, he's busy. He's busy, yeah, he was right. coaching the Mal, Blues. Mal Meninga's not busy, he's not busy at all, he hasn't been coaching anything. Oh, hang on, he has, he's been coaching Australia, but he turns up to everything. 
Has Mel actually moved out of Canberra or not? Cause yeah, yeah Mel, is, Mel is, I believe, not in Canberra at this present stage. But I don't know that for sure. Last yeah. time I saw Mel in Canberra, he was walking with a stroller down by the side of the Curtin Ovals. There you go. Yeah, so there you he's, go. He's got a lot of kids. Yeah, I believe there's some kids there involved. <laughs> I think there were some kids involved. They were fairly young. Um, but anyway... But um, it's a new season, and of course we have heard, you know, going into the season, rumours. Young George Williams, the English halfback, Wigan halfback. Wigan not doing so well all of a sudden this season. Had a good start to the season. No, terrible. But uh, one of the notable things is, of course, they've lost um, Bateman. But they've also had a change of coach. They've had a change of coach. So they had a very long-serving, successful coach. And now they've got Adrian Lamb. Adrian Lamb, whose days may be numbered. Very numbered indeed. Wigan doesn't like anything but success. And the other thing is, apparently Wigan's in financial strife. So they're asking for a very, very large uh, transfer fee. Now, a transfer fee comes out of our salary cap, whether you like it or not. This It just seems to be one of those things, though, where the NRL is sort of um, makes up the rules on the run regarding that. Because when Sam Williams, uh, Sam Williams, Sam Burgess mm. came back from Rugby Union, Souths mm. had to pay a very large transfer fee. Over a million dollars was my understanding. And, mm. of course, that didn't count towards their salary cap. Mm. Because rugby union was a different sport. Well, it is a different sport, Blake. It is a different sport. There's no question about it. But it just seems to be that they make up the rules, you know, as they go. You don't think that NRL HQ makes up the rules they go along. You don't actually think that NRL HQ runs the game for the almighty broadcast deal and the people they've signed it with and everything else is really secondary concern to them? Yes. I can't believe you would say something that cynical. You think that they would like, you know, the whole transfer fee thing's very weird and you think that... Say, for example, a club like Canberra, here's a potential for this club to get stronger. Mm. Let's waive this transfer fee. Let's get rid of this stupid rule. Why mm. does it count? Mm. If the club wants to spend the money mm. for the transfer fee and they can afford to do so, why should it count towards the salary cap? Because otherwise, then if we were to pay 500000 to George Williams mm. and then there's a $500,000 transfer fee... Yep. On top of that, in the circuit, well, he's automatically a million-dollar player. He is automatically a million-dollar player. And he's not a million-dollar player. Well, do you know that he's not a million-dollar player? I've watched a bit of him. You've watched a bit of him? Yeah. Okay. He's got potential, and I'd like to see him come, because, as we know, good halves are few and far between. They are. There's not even enough to go around all the... All the clubs, you know what I mean? That's true, that's true. I mean, we've got two fine exponents in Aidan Caesar and Sammy Williams who has beefed up in the off-season, people. Sammy Williams, I've heard that. I reckon, has somewhere the order of seven to eight kilos of muscle that he's put on the off-season. And uh, although he's only been named in the extended squad for this, I won't be surprised to see young Sammy uh, start in the game. I won't really? be surprised. Yeah, I was watching his form in the trial. His attack was good. His defence was much better than it's ever been before. Most of the really good things I saw in the trial come out in attack was when Sam Williams was running it. Now, I've seen a lot of hyping words coming out of Josh Hodgson and Jared Croker basically saying that they're very happy with what they've seen in Aidan Caesar in the off-season. Um, but what I saw in the trials, in the two trials, Canterbury and... Uh, I've forgotten who the first one was. Yeah, Parramatta. And, and at Parramatta... What I saw that was good in attack was Sammy Williams. Um, that's not just take too much away from Aiden yeah. Caesar. You know, like these are just trials, so let's not get carried away. But I liked what I saw with Sammy, and he'd certainly the young man from Cooma, the Cooma crooner. Well, he had bulked up. He bulked up in a big way. There you go. Speaking of players bulking up, um, mm. one of the um, concerns, I guess, that has been around um, John Bateman, mm. our star signing mm. from Wigan, who I'm very, very excited about. You weren't when I told you about him, but now you are. No, I've always been excited about. No, him. you weren't. I made a point anyway of... of rewriting history, people, but we remember, don't we? Once the signing was announced, yeah. I made a point of watching religiously every single Wigan game. Uh-huh. 
up until, you know, including the championship and including the England games. And he's an absolute gun. He's an absolute gun. Yeah. And see, this is the best thing about Bateman. Not only is he going to get 80 minutes out of him, but if we actually get an injury in the outside back, he can actually go into centre. Yes. He is fast Let's enough to play centre. Let's not see a repeat of the of last year. I think the darkest point of the 2018 season oh. was when Adekengano on the wing. Adekengano on the wing, yeah. That was an and, interesting And one. you just knew at that moment, this guy, we were ahead when he went to the wing and it was just, oh... I think the bit where Sia got sent out to the centres because it was the only option that we had, um, that was pretty bad because he tried his guts out, but the laterally he just doesn't have the speed anymore at the age of 84. Sorry if you're listening to this, Sia, but, you know, you're getting on a bit. You're a great man and everything, but, you know, the lateral speed that you used to have, you know, 2005 just isn't there anymore. Um, but, yeah, that was a dark thing. So when we actually have an outside back injury, which... It's something that plagued our season last yes. year. We consistently lost players early in the match to injury and had reshuffles that really never allowed us to settle in those positions. But and also some of the reshuffles, you know, they were they left the fans scratching their heads, including the Higano one. Well, you left you scratching your head. I wasn't scratching my head. I, I think, of course, Coach Ricky's a genius. He <laughs> can do no he, wrong in your eyes. No, he can't. <laughs> Super Coach Ricky. He's the one who's assembled this side, and this is the side that's going to have us parting like it was 1989. Yeah. You did promise us a premiership, you know. Like this time last year, well, it was actually midway through the season, you promised us a premiership in 2019. Yeah, well, I... I you stand I, by that. I hate putting the kiss of death on our side. I really, truly hate putting the kiss of death on our side. But I'm sorry, I'm just so optimistic. And it's because a ball hasn't been kicked, because something hasn't gone wrong. It's because we haven't been robbed by well, a ref yet. Something did go quite badly wrong in the off-season. Yeah. Jordan Ruppiner. Yeah. Yeah, doing his shoulder for New Zealand. But the word is, possibly back by round four. And so, before we get into this... Because he is is one of our most influential players. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally one of our best players. And, and if you consider the new strategy this year is going to be with a smaller, more mobile pack, his metres that he makes, you know, the start of his sets... Are vital. It's go- yeah, it's going to be a big loss. Yeah, absolutely vital. But this is why I want to get on to... This first segment for our thing, Reasons to be Cheerful. Reasons to be Cheerful, part three. And we have many reasons to be cheerful, and a lot of them are the new players we've got coming through. So you may recall back at the beginning of 2015, Ricky brought in a whole lot of players no one had ever heard of or thought were past it. Players by the name of Blake Austin, who we all knew you know, had something up his sleeve but couldn't tackle to save his life, and Blake had a fantastic season. He brought in a young Englishman as hooker, who we'd never really heard of, called Josh Hodgson. Um, that was pretty. That was impressive. a gamble. Yeah. Well, we missed out on getting uh, Michael Ennis. Yes. Because he demanded. Well, we've three got seasons. him now. Yeah, we got him now. <laughs> he demanded three seasons. We'd only give him two. He only did two with the Sharks, but instead we got Josh Hodgson. I don't think that's something anyone regrets. And we also got an old man back from the Super League by the name of Cia Soliola, who ended up being fantastic. And we signed a uh, young bloke from the Catalans, Les Catalans, uh, by the name of Elliot Whitehead, who no one could understand what he was saying and still can't. He was he came in 2016. He but did, he, but yeah. he worked out very well. Yeah. This season we've got young Bailey Simonson, the uh, the Sevens um, Kiwi star, um, who in trials just looked magnificent, both in speed and upper body strength, and his one-on-one tackling was good. He did have a pretty bad couple of pretty bad drops. There, there was he? a couple of drops in there, but that that's the way those things go. But he's he's debuting this weekend on the wing, and I'm pretty happy to see there. We got Shanze Nicole Cluckstad. It's who, actually pronounced Chance. Chance. I'm going to call him Chansey, and that's the way it's going to be. I thought it was Chansey for the first two weeks. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, actually, it's actually pronounced Chance. Chance. Or, if you're from South Australia, Chance. 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 
take a chance. <laughs> um, okay, well, but he looks like he's got something in the back. Um, Ryan Sutton, who's come from Wigan as the prop. Yes. Oh, he can on, play on, big minutes and he can play back row as well. Look, on on my my loves his golf, by the way, people. On my um my Wigan sort of you know um fact finding mission. On your fact finding mission. Uh, Bateman really stood out. Mm. Sutton, he's more of a project player. A project player. He's he's well, he's a twenty four year old prop, so I think he's hopefully he's, he's got a few more years. Yeah, he'll but develop. He'll he's develop. Here, he means stuff. He had a bit of knee surgery last season. He seems to be through that. Um, John Bateman, I don't think anyone isn't excited about him. Like, he is the goods. The instant we started talking, I, I was talking to people at the club last year, and when I first started hearing rumours, I was saying, I was pointing out John Bateman to them, and George Williams, as it turns out, was the other player yeah. I was pointing out to them. And everyone shut up and didn't tell, say anything to me. I thought, oh, they must not be interested. So I was pretty delighted when well, I found if out you, they were getting if you think back, If you think back to last season when we had our one-player interview mm. in the podcast, it was actually with Josh Hudson. It was. And you asked him about Ryan Sutton yep. and Bateman. Yeah. And he was quite honest. He said he didn't know a whole lot about Sutton. He, he blatantly lied to my face, yeah. Thanks, no, no, Josh. But, no, that no, was good. But he said that Bateman would be a great pickup. And then he played a lot with him. And, uh, oh, no, he knew Sutton as well. What And... <laughs> But he didn't know his experiences of him would be quite limited because he had never played with him. No. He didn't know that much about him. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But yeah. he played with Bateman. Highly recommended Bateman. Wayne Bennett has come out and said previously that Bateman's a guy that would really excel in the NRL. Yeah, and yeah, and he will. Just and watch him. He's just a wholehearted player. I can see is. him being an absolute fan favourite at oh, yeah. Canberra Stadium. If I put we could him, understand what he says. Yeah, well, but I put him in the class of a of a, a, a Luke Lewis, a Josh Jackson. Well, I mean, people compare him now to sort of Victor Radley, who's the new sort of smaller, more mobile mm. lock. But just in the way that he's an absolute wholehearted player, yeah, yeah. absolute club I, favourite. I could not be more excited about a new player. I, I can't remember the last time I was this excited about a new player coming to the club. Um, this is exciting. I'm so excited about him. I was pretty excited about um, Tedesco, but obviously... <laughs> I, I still at that. I was thought, excited thought, about Blake Austin as I well. I thought Tedesco was an unproved. Um, it proved to be the right thing. Like he is as good as everyone thought they were. But I was just the instant he said he wasn't with us, he was dead to me. You know, I want yeah. him dead. I want his family dead. To quote the Godfather. Um, but I'm so excited. There's so many reasons to be cheerful there with the new players coming through, but also with no big rigs. So we've lost those. Two behemoth props, one of whom I'm exceptionally fond of in Big Potato Head, Shannon Boyd, yeah. who's been with the club since he was a, a young lad and came through the ranks, did everything from the club. But last season, averaging 35 minutes and, you know, like many drops, not many metres, wasn't very good. Got an offer that he couldn't refuse from the Titans that the Raiders just couldn't match. Um, it'd be nice to see him back in green again one day. But last season when we were pulling up injuries and it wasn't him or Junior Paulo, the other big rig, they were only able to be putting on 35 minutes, and not all of those are good minutes. Yes. And we can't afford to be carrying that. Yeah. So the a lot of, that... lot of sort of um, gaps opening up in the middle during yep. their second stints. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. And, and, and that's the big thing is that we and we and didn't struggle to score points, we just conceded too many, and too many late in games as well. That's right, and if you all turn your mind back to the horror show in 2017, which was Panthers scoring... Um, yeah. You know, we were eight points in front with 60 seconds to go and then lost the match. The two tries that were scored went straight past a junior Paulo, yeah. who was standing out in a position that was completely out of position and just got run out. And, and, you know, that's not his fault. He's a prop and he was run out by some pretty fast players. But I don't want to see that again this season. But the reason to be cheerful, the biggest reason to be cheerful, people, is we haven't lost a game yet. We haven't lost a game yet. Nothing's gone wrong yet. It, there's still optimism, there's still hope, there's still joy that we can seize upon as, as green people, as, as diehard people who bleed green, that 
this season, this season we might feel some joy and be able to tell those obnoxious Broncos and Roosters and Souths and all the Manly fans to go and print on a pineapple and shove it up their ass. So that's my reasons to be cheerful, <laughs> Very Blake. Good. Very good. So, Blake, you have a segment for us now. Well, uh, it's time, once again, we've brought it back for 2019, Stump the Pork. Stump the Pork is a segment uh, each episode where I pose the uh, the pork with a question and uh, you've got to try and come up with the answer. So All right then. We talked about Mal Meninga before. We did. And we've also talked a lot about UK Super League. We have. So back in the, before he joined Canberra, I think mm-hmm. it was uh, 84, 85, yep. um, Mal actually had a stint. He did. In the Super League for he St. Did. Helens. He a did. very successful stint. He did. Apparently he enjoyed himself a lot while he, he was in the really UK. He really did. I've yes, heard yes. But... There was something different about him when he was in the in the Super League. Can you tell me what that was? Something different about Mal. He had a moustache. Mal played with a moustache in the Super League. He and, did, and a beard. And a beard. He had a right. full a beard. beard. He had a full beard in the Super and League. And for whatever reason, only in the Super League. Mm. He left clean-shaved. Mm. He came back clean-shaved, but in the Super League, Mal rocked a beard. You, you don't know why he rocked the beard? Was it for the cold? It was for the cold. <laughs> he was cold. Mal was cold. He's a man, he's a man from um, uh, Bundaberg, and uh, yeah, it was a bit cold up there in St Helens in the north of England in winter. Yes, he wasn't a huge fan of that. Very good. So, well, you sort of got that one right. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you half a point for that one. He had facial hair. <laughs> he had facial hair. I think he also played second row. He did. He did, didn't he? I think he played second yeah. row, but that wasn't so out of step because he had played second row. Oh no, he went on to play second row in the Kangaroo Tour. He did. That's right. That was the thing. So maybe that was the first time he played second row because before that he was a centre. All right, so next segment, having now not stumped the pork, the pork is not stumped, well, uh, is what grinds my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And do you know what grinds my gears, Blake? You know what grinds my gears? Blake? Is it something to do with the referees? No, it's not something to do with the referees, although they grind my gears as well, but they haven't had an opportunity to grind my gears yet. Now, what grinds my gears is NRL HQ. Because if you've been paying attention to the, uh, the schedule and the draw for the Raiders, one of the worst things you can do to a side, and it's been proved time and time again, is make sides back up after five days and in that backing up, make them have to travel during that five days because <laughs> it doesn't give them time to recover for the next match in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the travel takes a day out of their recovery time. Yeah. And then so how the NRL has managed knowing that in the first week, the first fortnight of the competition, to have the Raiders playing at 6.30pm on the Gold Coast on Sunday night and then returning and backing up to play at 6pm on the Friday night at home beggars belief. It absolutely beggars belief that they can give us a five-day turnaround in the first nine days of the competition. How the is that possible? I mean, how is that possible to say that anyone even vaguely competent is running it? And if they are vaguely competent, then you have to say they don't give a shit whatsoever, which we've long suspected. But do you know what, Blake? It still grinds my gears. Fair enough. And we are coming up against, well, we will be coming up against uh, Melbourne Storm side. Mm. who will have an eight-day turnaround. They will have an eight-day turnaround. And a leisurely stroll up to Canberra, the nation's capital where all the politicians live. Um, they will have a leisurely stroll up here where uh, Cameron Smith can no doubt be telling, you know, whichever referee is, you know, exactly what they should be doing next. 
and how they should be doing it. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be up at the house lobbying ScoMo to reinstate those premierships. Well, and on that, I completely agree that those premierships have been reinstated. If, if the Sharks did not get their premiership in 2016... But you can't, you can't say... You can't you withdraw can. a punishment. Just because someone else gets off for murder doesn't mean that you should then get let out of jail. This is not murder. And look, it's my reign to be to do the hyperbole here, mate. You cannot do this with murder. No one died, well, not that we know of, um, in this thing. Look, if just the some Melbourne, dreams were broken, it is my. What fear. are those poor Parramatta fans? Yeah, well, I mean, they'd hand back the wooden spoons if they could. <laughs> but look, it is my contention, and it's not well supported, and I don't have any massive evidence to reveal to you. But this is my contention and my belief um, that pretty much, if you're going to be successful. In the um, uh, if you're going to be successful in the NRL, paying too much attention to the salary cap probably isn't going to help that at all. And I believe that any side that is reasonably successful, and lots of sides that aren't reasonably successful, that's the sad thing, isn't it? Haven't paid very much. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Do you know the year we were busted in 1990 for breaking the salary cap that we were only the first year, uh, the the fifth worst that year? The Wooden Spooners, Parramatta that year, were the side that broke the salary cap the worst. Well, that's yeah. I mean, p- plenty of people probably like lost yeah. in their heat at the Olympics on drugs as well, but you don't hear about them. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> and that's right. And but the thing is, and then you got things like Ben Johnson still being disgraced all these years for for winning um, on drugs when it's now been you know pretty much proved that Carl Lewis, who they gave oh, the course. gold medal to, was all jacked up on the stuff as well. Of course. You know? So how is that fair? So this is my point. All we're really doing is punishing people for breaking the eleventh commandment: "Thou shalt not get caught." Now. Both the Melbourne Storm and um, Cronulla got caught. Cronulla got caught because they got examined because they called people in to look at their books. Um, Melbourne Storm, they self-reported on they on, self-reported on, on fifty grand. But this is the, this is the thing: the NRL, um, whatever Integrity Commission or um, Schubert or whatever whatever it's called, mm. the salary cap investigator, mm. they have never actually caught anyone mm. off their own bat. No, it's, it's always it's been, been whistleblowers. It's been whistleblowers. And that's, the, and that's the way you're going to get caught, which is why you know that the major thing you have to do is keep the people who know about your activities happy. And from what I've pretty much heard is all the ones, with, with the exception of self-reporting, where people have got caught because we weren't smart enough to know what we were doing, and there is a bit of amateurism in rugby league, um, is because someone's been pissed off and done the wrong thing and basically said, well, I'll get you, I'll show you then and done those things and said there's a second set of books over there or you should go ask this question or did you see the minutes from the Parramatta board meeting or something like that? Well, it happens a lot with those sort of Parramatta situations and Bulldogs and stuff like that where there's a lot of disharmony in the boards. Yeah. But we at the Canberra Raiders are known for having a very harmonious we do. and very stable yep. board. We do. So what you're suggesting is perhaps we should be cheating because we'd probably be quite good at getting away at it. Uh, look, Who's to say we're when not already? I say, when I say that all clubs cheat, of course that excludes the Camberators because we are as pure as the driven snow and we do not cheat, nor do I encourage us to cheat or find new ways to cheat or loopholes within things whereby we can get more advantage so we can actually finally break the drought. Because I don't know about you, Blake, but I'm particularly sick of seeing for the last 15 grand of all the NRL grand finals since 1998 having two sides having been in 15 of them you know having the roosters and the melbourne storm being in 15 out of the 21 grand finals so far in the nrl tells me that that's shit and i don't like it i don't like it i want a little bit more even board i would like the salary cap to work i would like it to be enforced but if it's not enforced if it ain't working yeah then i encourage people heartily to cheat 
The great mystery is, um, of course, is how the Broncos so consistently unsuccessful at making grand finals. That is very interesting. See, this is the thing. So that either points to two things. One, they don't actually cheat the salary cap, and that is very possible. Um, or two, that they break the salary cap, but they're just not very good at it. So defence. It's going to be a much more defensive uh, emphasised year this year. Yes. Hopefully. Well, defence is the big issue, isn't it? And that's the thing. You know, If you look at last year, um, as is well documented, we scored a lot of points, but we just let in too many as well. We let in more points than we well, scored. Well, we did beat the Roosters. They, I re-watched that game just mm. the other day, whenever it was the second last round or the third last round, that home game. We beat the Roosters and we only scored one try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, I know why we beat the Roosters because... I, it was the loss they had to have. Uh, no, it wasn't the loss they had to have. It's because I couldn't attend that match oh, that right. particular day because my <laughs> wife was sick and I had to look after her and my infant child. And that's why, because it turns out that I'm in fact the mock. I've said that about quite a few people I know, including my brother over many years. I told him he wasn't allowed to attend Raiders games because he seemed to always, they always lost um, yeah. when, he atten- when he attended. And then they finally won one game when he was there and he said, ding dong, the witch is dead. So he, yeah, he thought... <laughs> no, well, I'm starting to think I, in fact, am the mock. And in fact, the golden point win we had last year where we actually won an extra time when the kick went over, I was sick, as you may recall, and I was walking out of the ground... And I decided, I decided to come around, come back, because I was listening to it as I walked out on the radio. And it was only when I turned, went back, it was because they already thought I'd gone. They thought the mock had left. That's All why right. they'd come back and win. So yeah, there's there's a thing in uh, Nick Hornby's book, Fever Pitch, that you we a try fantastic and, book. Yes, we try and think that we have some influence in this in, in this, this great yeah. event. That if clearly... I hold my head in this direction and think thusly and hold my hand over here, yeah. I used to have lucky shoes, yeah, special yeah. jackets. Yeah, yeah, sending mozzers at the TV, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Doesn't work, though. Doesn't work. Anyway, defensive, we, we've got Andrew McFadden in. He's, he's come back. He's all. been brought in. And I actually um, got in touch with the Raiders, um, what's the show called? <laughs> Raiders Review with Blake and the Porks, special New Zealand correspondent. Oh, yes. Just to get, did you know we had a New Zealand correspondent? Yeah, we do have a New <laughs> yeah. Zealand correspondent. Great, great friend of the show. He is, Craig, Craig. Norenbergs, yes. Uh, and I asked him, how do you rate... Andrew McFadden is a coach, and he says he rates him very highly. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. thinks he's very good. And perhaps he was thrust into the the head coaching role uh, look, in New Zealand uh, a bit too early. How many coaches have coached the New Zealand Warriors in any of their format? Could you say were successful in that role? Yeah, well, you it's, can it's, count them on one finger. It's called Ivan Cleary, yeah. and that was it. And oh, Daniel Anderson had a brief spark. Yeah, um, when he was there. But apart from it, they've all failed. And it's and it's a, a culture thing at the club. Where well, it's got to be the toughest. I'd say it's probably got to be the toughest coaching gig in the NRL. Oh, come on, there's so much, Well, yeah, but there's so much potential. Oh, yeah, you know, in the Warriors squad. Every year you look at their squad and you go, there's so much potential oh, yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. But They could do anything, yeah. anything whatsoever, and they usually do. <laughs> anything and everything whatsoever. But I think I think Rick's right. I think the best way to win matches is to not lose them. It's the Alan Border approach, you know, after we've been beaten from pillar to post through the 80s. His number one thing was, I just don't want to lose this match. And the best way not to lose this match is not give up points. Tackle. Tackle like you tackle your grandmother into the concrete of the grandstand. Don't let that defensive hole go. Now... One of the greatest improvements this season we've got is putting Jack White into number six. That is not a weakness in the defensive line. You can run at Jack. Good luck to you. Right? So there's only one spot. It's going to be whoever's wearing the number seven jersey is going to be the one weakness in the line. Now, if you've got that weakness with Elliot Whitehead on one side of him and on the other side, John Bateman, that's not a weakness. 
that's an area of saying good luck for you go go hammer at that spot yeah. if you feel stupid are you feeling lucky punk are you feeling lucky and that means that there's really one place that people are going to be running plays at and the other thing they'll be running at us is doing the high kicks and hoping that our wingers and our fullbacks will drop the ball so which side will um, Jack White will he be Jack White will be on the left hand side and attack right so he'll be on the left hand side and attack I believe yeah be coming across but I think he's got fairly much a, a, a free range he'll be defending I believe on the right hand side so is that with Joey yeah with Joey because Joey hopefully with a bit of guidance will be a better defender because he and Austin together that was a, that's a was a bad combination there was a bit of a, a communication breakdown yes. there I think we can all <laughs> see that there um, and uh, look those things are all possible as well but I think Jack up there in the line is going to make a big difference to how you get through I think having Josh Hodgson here from the beginning of the season to keep our ruck together and our ruck defence together. I think having the concept of much more mobile big men, meaning they've got more lateral speed and more ability to get up off the, the turf, it might hurt our ability to get go forward, but that also might be offset by the fact of quicker play the balls and faster players mean we get to that advantage line quicker than those big guys might be who might dent the line harder. Yeah, it's so, interesting. But, and look, the Roosters won last year with either the lightest or the second lightest pack. So this is the way forward. Yes. It'll be interesting to hear how many um, sort of lazy commentators still refer to the Canberra Raiders' size because that's one of the cliches that they mm. always they trot out every year. Oh, how Raiders big are the pack. Raiders? Yeah. And gee, isn't it hard to win at Canberra Stadium? And even when it was quite easy for opposition yeah, to teams, they, they'd, still, they'd still say every week, yeah. oh, it's a tough place to win at, isn't it? It's like, no, it's not. No, no, it really isn't. We wish it was. We wish it was. It, was. it used to be. It was, yeah, but it's not anymore. Anyway, look, it's going to be this season. It is going to be this season. Now, we've got a bit of a run here. So we start this weekend. We start this weekend with the Titans on Sunday night. Then we come back to Canberra Stadium or GIO Stadium on the Friday night at 6 o'clock. To play, um, to play a, the storm. A well-rested storm. A well-rested storm who will have had time to you know come up and take in the sights. Then we come back, the f- we get a full week that, to play the Newcastle Knights um, who will have only had at that stage a six-day turnaround um, but playing at home. We play the Newcastle Knights again on a Friday night before we then head off to North Queensland for a Saturday evening feature. Um, so what you're saying is potentially yeah. we could be 0-4. Or potentially all sound, we could be 4-0. Yes. Well, they all sound quite... Losable games. I oh, guess yeah. they're also winnable games, but they're I mean, that's the thing about the NRL, isn't it? It's Look, a, that's another cliche, but there are no easy games. No, there aren't. And this is the thing. In 2016, the difference between us making the finals and not making the finals was we got in those first, we got three wins out of those first four matches, and of those three wins, two of them were ugly. Two of them were ugly where we got luck, where we got good calls, and we scraped across the line, and it was like, and the comment was at the time, well, that's a good two points to have, now let's forget that match. We need those wins in these first four rounds. I don't care how ugly we win as long as we bloody well win because these are the most crucial matches. It means that you can play calm football going into the season. It means that your combinations can settle. It means the side can stick together and focus on what they're doing. Whereas you've got three losses under your belt all of a sudden, whether people say it or not, that button, that panic button starts getting hit. And when that panic button gets hit, it's very hard to unhit it. It's very unhard to hit it. It's very hard to get into a great big run of form. So let's get a win against the 
effing Titans this weekend. I don't care how it's done. I don't care if it's the worst refereeing decision in the world that gives us the two points. I don't care what happens, how unjust it is, because you know what? We're owed one. Exactly. We're owed one. We I think, I think about one. our close losses against the Titans, and um, yeah. yeah, there's been some shockers. There has been. The Matt Alford one, of course. Oh, Who could forget dreadful. that? <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, the ex-Roosters player, shoulder-charging Ryan James in the back, giving away the penalty. Yeah. John Olive scoring at the end. And, of course, last year with... Connie Hurrell scoring off a movement in which there were two such blatant forward passes you have never seen in your life. Frank Paul. Frank Paul. Frank Paul, Paul Nilsala. If you're out there, Frank, big fan, long-time fan. Okay? <laughs> don't, 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 don't make him angry. No, I don't make Frank Paul angry. <laughs> the other one as well was the other like horrible sort of... Um, a try and loss I remember against the Titans was you remember Shillington taking when he was at the Titans he just took that tap and just ran through and scored like it was the, the yeah, yeah, softest yeah. try yeah. you've ever seen in your yeah. life yeah yeah big Dave he was a good man wasn't he anyway that about does us for yes. the first instalment for 2019 we of- had some questions but we didn't get time to answer them so uh, we'll, we'll touch on them next next yeah, time next time we'll touch on your questions next time but um, thanks for tuning in to the third most popular uh, Raiders podcast um, going around. Tell your friends. You, yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Coming to you from a secret storeroom somewhere in Civic to protect our true identities. This has been Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And we will see you soon.